Thank you, John. What an excellent prayer to lead us into our time this morning. Before we share the Lord's Supper together, I'm going to share from, with you from the Word of God, and I'd like you to turn to John chapter 15, the Gospel of John chapter 15. We've taken a break from our study in the Gospel of John because of the missions conference last month, and now we return to our study. And I just, if you would, in John 15, just hold your place there for a few minutes. I want to share something with you as a congregation. Last month was, as most of you know, our month-long missions conference. And Holly Marinak, our church financial secretary, was just sharing me, with me late this week that last month, or this past month, we took one of the largest missions conference offerings we've ever taken. And um, next week, we'll have the numbers in the bulletin because we always allow an extra week for anyone who may have forgotten to give and still wants to. But I just want to say thank you. Thank you. I mean, we were a little overwhelmed by how much was given by this congregation. And you have displayed your generosity and your kindness, and now that's going to be divided between the three missionary families for those things that they designated um, and how glorious it is for us to be able to send them um, those funds. And you know, I think something's happening. Last month was a really good conference, at least I thought it was. I, I look at Chad Wiebe and Steve Barnes and George Collins, and I thought they had excellent messages, excellent ministry presentations, and it really, I don't know what you sense, but I sense like we're back to whatever normal is now, and it was just good. And we have weathered a two-year storm as a church. The COVID pandemic has been hard on our church body, it's been hard on churches all over the nation, hard on churches all over the world, but I sense we're moving in a positive direction. I don't know what you're sensing, but I, I'm just sensing that God has great things for us in the future and that little by little we are heading in that direction. We've got the Good Friday service coming up on the 15th. We've got the Easter service on the 17th, and I'm looking forward to this just this great time of of reflection, remembrance, and celebration as a church family. We're looking this morning at John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. We're going to look at this in two parts. It's just too important to try to cover in one message. So we're going to look at it in two parts. And this will actually be a wonderful passage to lead us to Easter and Good Friday and the 15th and the 17th. And I want to read... John 15, verses 1 through 11, even though this morning we're just going to look at the first five verses, and then we'll consider the whole passage and the other verses next week. But Jesus says in John 15, 1 through 11, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You 
are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Well, our first point this morning is the vine dresser. John 15, 1 through 11 is a beloved section of scripture that holds the key to fruitful living in the Christian life. This is a passage of scripture that has been preached on, discussed in small groups, discussed in homes, and cherished throughout church history. It is a beautiful passage. And it is very important, very important to keep it in the context of the whole Gospel of John. There have been many very good sermons preached on this. Many pastors just take this in a topical way, abide in me. I've done that before. But I think there is something important, something special about considering this in the context of the whole Gospel of John. As you may know, and I know we've had this four-week break, but John chapters 13 through 17 are known as the Upper Room Discourse. And they are a precious part of the New Testament describing the depth of Jesus' love for his followers, for his disciples. He is about to go to the cross. When we get to chapter 18, Jesus will begin his journey to the cross and all that that entails. It is going to be one of the most difficult times in the lives of his disciples. And he is preparing them. He is preparing them for his death and resurrection and for their life beyond that. If you've been with us, if you've been tracking with us throughout this entire study, in John chapters 5 through 12, Jesus had ongoing conflicts with the Jewish religious leaders. In the midst of those conflicts, we learn great truths about the deity of Christ, the fact that Jesus is fully God. But now in chapters 13 through 17, the tone is very different. It is tender. It is loving. And keep in mind that Jesus is sharing the Passover supper with his disciples as he teaches this. A meal, the Passover supper, is about to become the Lord's Supper. It is about to take on different significance and meaning in light of his death and resurrection. Verse 1 is the foundation for understanding what Jesus is teaching in this passage. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And again, if you've been with us throughout this series, you may know we've been looking in the Gospel of John at Jesus' great I am statements. There are seven of them, and this is the seventh one. I am takes us back to Exodus chapter 3, 
where God says to Moses, I am that I am. I am the ever-existent, eternal God. And when you go to Pharaoh, when you go to the Egyptians, tell them that I am sent you. And he says, I am the true vine. In chapter 6, he said, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. In chapter 10, he said, I am the door. In chapter 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. In chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. In chapter 14, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And now in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Our children learn that in the lowest grades, in the youngest grades of Sunday school. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. He is the true vine, meaning he is the source of life, true life. Jesus is the source of everything for our Christian life. He is the source of our salvation. He is the source of eternal life, but not just for our salvation, but for everything we need in our Christian life. He is the source of our strength, the source of our wisdom, the source of our peace, the source of our overcoming temptation, our source of living the victorious life. I am the ever-existent God and the source of your entire spiritual life, and it is the foundation for everything, everything we are about to study. And he says, and my father is the vine dresser. So Jesus is the vine in the Trinity. Jesus is the vine, and the father is the vine dresser. And the vine dresser has two primary responsibilities in relation to the vine and they are both found in verse 2 every branch in me that does not bear fruit he the vine dresser takes away and every branch that does bear fruit he the vine dresser prunes that it may bear more fruit so he says every branch in Jesus that does not bear fruit he takes away this is a difficult teaching but here the gospel the context of the entire gospel of John is absolutely critical throughout the gospel of John we have seen that there are true disciples and there are false disciples. There are true followers and there are false followers. There are those who profess Christ but don't possess Christ. We have seen this throughout. And the vine dresser takes the vines that aren't bearing any fruit and he takes them away does away with them. They are exposed as being false disciples and whether in this life or in the final judgment they will be exposed as not being true followers of Christ. We see this throughout the Gospel of John. Chapter 2 
Some believed in Jesus just because of his miracles. But it says Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knows what, in it, what is in every person's heart. In John chapter 6, Jesus taught some hard truths. And it said from that point, many of his disciples, many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. Many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him because they were false disciples. In Matthew chapter 13, we think of Jesus' famous teaching on the wheat and the tares or the wheat and the weeds. And if you remember, the wheat and the weeds grow up together. They look the same until the final judgment when the reaper comes. And he bundles up the weeds, the tares, and throws them away and has them burned. We're going to look at this next week. Look at verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But the supreme example of all that we have already looked at in the Gospel of John is Judas Iscariot. In a sense, the ultimate false disciple, he was with Jesus for three years. There was a sense in which he was in Jesus. He was with Jesus. He listened to his teaching. He saw his miracles. And he never believed. And ultimately betrayed him. And as we saw in the Gospel of John, Satan entered into him. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, prunes that it may bear more fruit. For those who are true disciples, which I hope is all of us this morning, for those of us who are true disciples, he prunes us. And the reason he prunes us, and pruning is God testing us, allowing us to go through trials, sometimes to go through suffering, and it always has one primary goal, and that goal is that you bear more fruit. We're going to see that this morning. It's such an important part of this passage. God is constantly pruning his true disciples, testing them, letting them go through trials and hard times. Do you know why he does that? Do you know why he does that? Because he wants you to trust in Christ alone and nothing else. He doesn't want you trusting in your own power and strength. He doesn't want you trusting in other people. He doesn't want you trusting in things. He wants you trusting in Jesus and him alone. And whatever he has to do in your life and my life to get us to that point and keep us at that point, he will do. Because he knows our greatest joy, our soul's greatest satisfaction is found when we are trusting in Jesus and nothing else in our lives and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may that it may bear more fruit verse 3 already you are clean 
because of the word that I have spoken to you. You true disciples, you're clean. It means you're saved. You belong to Christ because of the gospel, because of the word that I have spoken to you. So, the ones that the Father prunes that they may bear more fruit are those who are already clean. So as a disciple, as a true disciple, he wants to always take us to greater heights of trusting in Christ because there we find our greatest joy and satisfaction in him. Perhaps no passage of scripture helps us to understand verses 2 and 3 better than what we already looked at in John chapter 13. In John chapter 13, we saw that great section where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And if you remember, he comes to Peter to wash his feet, and Peter says, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus says, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. So Peter says, whoa. Not only wash my feet, but wash my hands and my head. Give me a bath, Lord. And then this is what Jesus says. John 13, verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, Peter, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. This is a commentary on John 15, verses 2 and 3. The Bible explaining the Bible. The one who is saved does not need to be saved again, does not need to wash again, except for his feet. He does need to be pruned. He does need to learn to trust in Christ and not in himself and not in others and not in things, but in Christ alone. Because he's completely clean, but he still needs to grow in the fullness of who he or she is. He says, Peter, you are clean, but watch this. But not every one of you. There's a false disciple among you. The vine dresser is going to take away. For he knew. He knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Not all of my disciples, not all of the twelve are clean. Not all of the disciples were true branches abiding in the vine. Our second point is abide in me. Jesus uses the precious phrase, abide in me, which is a command for the disciples and a grand summation of everything he's taught so far in the Gospel of John. As many times in our Christian lives as we've heard that phrase, abide in me, it is not only a command to the disciples, but it is a glorious summary of the entire Gospel of John up to this point. In verse 4, Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Unless you abide in me and I in you, you cannot bear fruit by yourself. 
by your own power and strength, you cannot bear fruit. You cannot do that which is pleasing in the sight of God. It all comes from the vine and our abiding in the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. What does it mean to abide in Christ? We're going to look at that even more next week. But back in 2017, I did an entire series on what is a disciple. And back in that series, I actually did three or four messages just on the term abide in Christ. And so I'm going to use the working definition that I used in that series. And that definition is this, and it's not going to be on the screen, but I hope to have it on the screen and in your bulletin next week. But this is the working definition. To abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ and so consumed with Christ that his resurrection life in you transforms who you are and how you live. To abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ and so consumed with Christ alone that his resurrection life in you actually turns you into a different person. It transforms the way, it transforms who you are and how you live. Again, this is where the context of the Gospel of John is so important. The first 14 chapters are about abiding in Christ. In John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is your spiritual nourishment. He is the bread of life. All of your spiritual hungering is satisfied in him. All of your spiritual thirsting can only be satisfied in him. It is all about him. John 7, verses 37 and 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Do you know what lives in you if you know Christ? Truly know him, rivers of living water that are just waiting to burst forth from inside of you, and that happens when you abide in Christ. If you're thirsty, if you're thirsty this morning, come to Jesus and drink. And then in verse 5, it's, he says, I am the vine. Such an important verse. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. He repeats himself. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. And the Greek word for nothing literally means nothing. Nothing means nothing. 
There is nothing you can do to please God on your own. It all comes from abiding in Christ and trusting in him and depending on him completely and alone. I cannot be an effective pastor apart from Christ. I cannot do it. You cannot be an effective witness for Christ apart from Christ. You can't do it. You cannot. You cannot effectively raise your children apart from Christ. It's impossible. You cannot be a good employee apart from Christ. You cannot fight off temptation. You cannot fight off temptation apart from Christ. You can do nothing apart from Christ. And I want that little phrase of verse 5 to burn in your mind and to be burned into your soul. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Well, this morning, this morning, we have the unique privilege of studying this passage of Scripture on a communion Sunday. I didn't plan it this way, but this is the way it turned out. I say that because Jesus taught this very lesson while celebrating the Passover supper, which would become the Lord's Supper with his disciples. So there is a real sense this morning, and we are entering into something of what, like that, of what that scene was like. As you take the bread and the cup this morning, remember that Christ died to make you clean. He died to save you. And if you are truly clean, he will prune you. He will test you. He will allow you to go through trials. Sometimes he will allow you to go through suffering so that you might bear more fruit. Because you're trusting, because his greatest desire for you is that you trust in Christ not in yourself, not in others, not in things, but in Christ alone. We need to understand that everything we do, we do by the grace of God. It is not me. It is not for my glory. It is not by my strength. It is by the grace of God because of Christ living in me. Therefore, every day, every day that you get out of bed, our goal is to abide in him so that his life becomes my life becomes your life. Every day our goal is to abide in him so that his life becomes our life. Let me say again, to abide in Christ means to be so in love with Christ and to be so consumed with Christ that his resurrection life in you transforms who you are and how you live. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together just a very brief instruction for those of you who may be visiting with us. One deacon will pray for the bread and cup. The deacons will then hand out the bread and cup together. They will be stacked. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of scripture, and then we'll eat and drink together. If you're watching us this morning by live stream, while the deacons are serving communion, we encourage you to use this as an important time of meditation and reflection. So if you are here this morning and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, we invite you to share in this time with us. If you're here this morning and you're not sure 
Whether you know Christ as Savior, maybe you don't even know what that means. We're going to just very lovingly ask you to let the elements pass you by, and you can reflect on coming to truly know the vine, coming to truly know Christ as Savior. That's always the most important and first step that any person must take. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together.